Hello and welcome to the Rabbit Hole, the definitive developers podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our co-host today, Dave Anderson, and our producer, William Jeffries. And we have a question I like to solve. It is, are all software developers engineers? I think in the industry right now, we use software engineer as a title that gets used, but there are some people who are upset at the fact that we call ourselves software engineers. It's a lie. Is it? <laughs> is it really? We're building stuff. You're no? all just coders. <laughs> just coding. Just coding. Computer programmers. Yeah, that's what you really are. That's that's the thing. Barely. Trash talking. <laughs> there are engineers who actually go through certification processes and have to sign off on the work that they do. You know, like if you go to build a bridge... You have to sign up. The engineer who comes up with the design for the bridge has to sign off that it is structurally sound and there are consequences to making mistakes there. When I write shitty code and ship it, there's no consequences for me at all. You just roll back. (laughs) (laughs) Just roll it back. Come on. It's not like a bridge. You can't roll a bridge back. But I do imagine that, um, I mean, there are certifications that can exist for certain software fields. I mean, some people look at certificates from like code schools or like your degree as like, hey, you know a thing or two, but it's not to the level of that of an engineer, as William mentioned, where, you know, you build a bridge, you got to make sure it doesn't topple over. Yeah, your nano degree is not the same thing. It's nobody... (laughs) My (laughs) nano degree? Stop trash talking. (laughs) I paid $90 for that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a pretty lively debate. There's an article on The Atlantic a couple years ago that was really digging into this in Atlantic fashion where it was just, you know, dozens of pages long and just railing about, you know, engineers and how they're kind of ruining everything and since then we kind of have ruined a lot of things like there's there's still a lot of things that are broken i mean i think yeah engineers are terrible <laughs> wait wait what software wait. engineers are software ter- engi- oh yeah i see there i just did it you just Here did me, it i'm calling programmers software engineers <laughs> there you go so software engineers are terrible is that what you were saying william i think i'm a software engineer i think that i'm great I think that yeah. you guys are great. Yeah, of course. Keep you know, we you got test-driven <laughs> development. We have a process that we use to ensure that our work doesn't fail us. Yeah, but it's interesting because, like, the infrastructure that we rely on that we're using to get stuff done every day, like GitHub and the internet, is kind of brittle still. And, I mean, this is kind of a larger, like, security-related question, but, like... A little you know, heartbleed when, action. Yeah, heart, heartbleed or uh, <laughs> something more like less subtle and more dramatic like when, when GitHub went down. Was it like last year? Or I mean, it, it has periodic outages, but there was that time when it, it just got DDoS'd by all of these like, you know, botnetted IoT devices, the devices like, yeah. which was just completely wild. I mean, AWS went down. I remember that was a big deal. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. We were we were working together at that time. Yeah, we were, we were trying to look at the uh, status page for S three, and it's just green because the 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 red light was in S three. <laughs> 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 oh, that's great. 
And so, that, that was like, that was traced back to like programmer error, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Were there any consequences for that guy? Definitely not. Well, actually, I have no idea. I mean, it depends on it depends on all the. I, now I feel bad. If he lost his job, I feel terrible. Yeah. That could have happened gonna... to any of us. I could have easily made that mistake. Yeah, I gotta Google that right now. Whatever happened to S three guy? <laughs> the S three guy. That that's should be name. a meme. That that's the guy S three. <laughs> but going back to that article as you mentioned before, it notes that things like this is catastrophic, and but there are no repercussions for these kinds of issues that occur. Is that correct? Yeah, like I, I guess in general, like it seems like these these issues don't have any immediate ramifications. Like maybe there's like loss of time and productivity and frustration. Like so far, we've we've been pretty lucky, uh, right? You can't. Like, people can't sue. Like let's say, for example, let's go back to the AWS. Let's say many different startups use AWS to ensure that their product is running fine, and they sell T-shirts. Mm-hmm. And use AWS. So if AWS goes down, right, then they lose money and they lose revenue. They can't sue AWS for this thing that cost them X amount of dollars because you're using their product. And I'm pretty sure it's in the terms of service that you can't sue them if it's down for whatever reason. Like if a bridge, if I'm transporting goods and the bridge doesn't exist, or like my my. Or the goods, bridge collapses while you're on it. Yeah, while you're right. on it, then like then that's like ramifications to for common arrows. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that there are ramifications for for something like that for the engineer who built that bridge, and not for the engineer or the software developer. I'm going to say who create who introduced this bug in AWS. Right. Yeah. Like there will be like some kind of a review there'll be like pretty deep questions maybe even at the federal level like how did this horrible situation happen right like he, he, even more recently there was a bridge collapse in in italy yeah and that was that was very tragic and you know people were trying to figure out why this happened but that bridge was there for many years before it collapsed even so it was right kind of doing its job up until it stopped until it didn't yeah <laughs> and, right. I, and i think like uh going back to what you had mentioned where it goes to like a review suppose okay it's a new it's a new day where engineers and software developers are now responsible for the work that they do similar to how we treat infrastructure engineers people who build bridges you're talking about like in extreme cases where people are working on you know, something that actually could kill someone like if you're working on some kind of med tech application or you're writing software to run people's pacemakers or are you just talking about like some guy making a homepage for some restaurant let's use the extreme because like what what i guess the question that we would have to find out is what happens to a software developer who creates a pacemaker who who develops software for pacemakers and and it messes up, right? Oh, like, yeah. They, I think they do like pretty rigorous like traceability and documentation and risk analysis. I actually talked with some people at, at PyCon in Cleveland earlier this year about like Python in space. Like how Whoa. do you write software to go to space? And it actually sounds kind of boring because there's a lot of risk management involved. And, mm. you know, it, they, they really uh, test it pretty rigorously. Right. So for software like that, I guess it, there is a lot of tests and risk management and, and that goes into play that may that a bridge engineer 
would deem respectful to the name engineer. But William, as you mentioned, going to for someone for say Bobby to build a website. Who cares? Who cares? Right? He just Bobby's how big of a deal is it? Do you really need this guy to sign off? Do you really need that kind of uh, assurance? <laughs> Are you willing to pay extra for that kind of assurance? And how much? Right. And I, I think people people want things pretty cheaply. Like the technology is pretty flexible, and you can very easily, you know, flip flip a switch and you know revert your restaurant web site changes like you know if you accidentally push the chinese food restaurant restaurant onto the pizza restaurant website you'd be like right. oh, oh shoot I, well i gotta back up yeah you know we have some like practices like devops that, that help us with that and we want and we want our code fast people don't want to wait around for you to figure out to make sure that it's stable right that i mean they say that they do but then they're like we need this by yesterday mm-hmm. cut corners make it happen well what happens to here's an example facebook Recently got uh, hacked and a lot of people had their information. They had the account breach, for example. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's happened many times at Facebook. What What are the repercussions for that? Or does Facebook get sued? Does the developer I, I get think, fired? I, I think uh, in that case, I think the EU might be taking the, taking the hammer to them because they passed a bunch of laws recently about privacy. Mm, and, and okay. They're pretty aggressive about fining, but I I don't know if anything's going to happen in the U.S. Right. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're pretty like willy-nilly. Yeah, exactly. And that's like a problem because people's information should be, you know, privacy is important. But in the U- in U.S., Facebook gets to run around and do all sorts of things. And I'm curious, going back to you had mentioned the, you know, the review process. Like, is it the developer who coded it? Is it the person who reviewed the pull request? What if there is no pull request process and it's just like you merge straight to master? Then who's responsible for it? Is what it if the- you're using like any external library? Are yeah. you going to audit every single package that you include? Yeah. I mean, it's 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 going to be tough. <laughs> Are you going to re-audit it every time that you have to upgrade a package? Ooh. Yeah, nice. I do. I do appreciate how NPM does that to a degree. But who's going to audit that audit? <laughs> like npm tells me there's something wrong and i'm like all right i trust you <laughs> right <laughs> thank you so for every release suppose we were taking this very rigorous process for every release you would have to then do another audit on everything that you currently have all the features that you have currently built it sounds like what we're talking about is completely antithetical to agile yeah and it does and that but that's the thing so do as agile developers are we unable to call ourselves software engineers then? Yeah. And it's kind of interesting to think about like where the term software engineer even came in because like that, that didn't exist for like in the beginning of the industry, like they didn't have something to call it. And Mm. I think they kind of like branded it as engineering to try to like sell it as something that's more risk averse than it actually was. Cause it was like, you know, people figuring out how to, build ginormous systems on really limited servers and Mm. uh you know projects just running way over budget and not having the tools and techniques they need to actually deliver and yeah so they're like oh we'll just call them engineers and come up with these practices these waterfall practices and Mm. now things are kind of going in the other way because it's just so easy to continuously release so if we wanted to be somewhat more aware, I'm going to use the word aware, but like, you know, think about all the safeguards that we would have to do to solve 
to be software engineers as agile as possible. What are what are some things that we can do about that? So given that software developers are not real engineers, which it seems like we've pretty conclusively established at this point, <laughs> what do we do about it? Should we become real engineers and start holding ourselves to a higher standard? Should we just acknowledge the fact that we don't really care that much about safety and move on with new titles? Software person. <laughs> the so- the software person. I, I personally some feel like... Some software schmuck. Some, yeah, some, oh, no. some Bobby over here writes software. <laughs> I think, I think there, is a, there is some kind of responsibility that we need to have as software developers. I think one of the things that I've noticed in my career that gets a lot of light is, can everyone browse your website comfortably? And that includes like people with disability. And then the one that I often overlook is like, people who are unable to see certain colors, right? So like if people, if you have a website that has a red and, you know, someone cannot see red, I can't, I don't remember what that. Yeah, red, green, colorblindness is extremely common. You as a listener right now, think of all the websites that has the color blue on it. Like there's tons. You can just think about Twitter, you can think about Facebook, mm-hmm. you can think about Google and and all sorts of stuff. And I'm sure they've taken into account these things in, in colorblindness and amongst other things, there's like all sorts of devices that allow users who are blind to view your website in Braille with all these different tools that mm-hmm. are often overlooked. And the problem that I've seen happen is if you have a website that gets a ton of viewership and you don't look out for this, then you get a fine that you that your website is not like ADA approved. Well, and then what does that of. mean? Do what, you get a fine? No, I, be- I believe you do. I believe you either you get a class action lawsuit. From Some, somebody it- might come and sue you. That's true. But yeah. They also have to go through a whole lot of legwork to find other members of that class. Like, right. If you are blind and you can't order on, you know, a article of clothing or a piece of food or something from somebody's website, you know, that may be a problem for you. But unless you can get a hold of a meaningful number of other blind people who right. have tried and been unsuccessful on that same site, you're not really all that big of a risk. Well, I it's mean, only I- it's only big companies that you know have enough customers for there to be enough dis- disabled people to come bring a, a serious class action lawsuit. Right, but if you if you are if you have the opportunity where this happens to you, then you should be responsible to ensure that all your all of your customers are able to go to this website. And I think that gets often overlooked because even right now, as an engineer, try to find a list of ADA-related bullets you have to have. Like, for example, what does I know that in, in React? all Every button needs to have an ID tag, I believe, because it's like it's ADA, like certain devices for people who are disabled will use the ID tag rather than like the class name to find it. Right. Like I'm not 100% ARIA, sure. I think, yeah, ARIA I think compliance. Yeah. You exactly. ARIA labels for everything. You need a tab index for everything exactly, that is yeah. selectable. How, uh, how do you know you that? If you use a modal, then you have to implement an escape. How do you know that? I had to study web accessibility because I had to implement web accessibility on Where, Where'd you learn that from? 
I had was to, it a course? Was it like a list of documents you got from the government website? Was it just finding online? Here are some things you need to do. Like part I, of it was a was a course. Part of it was going through the docs on the W three web W three C website. Yeah. Part of it was learning from other people who had done it before. Was um, it easy to find? No, definitely not. Yeah, exactly. Not? That, that and is I've the never, problem. I don't think I've ever seen a website that I think is 100% compliant. I think right. that, you know, that's one of those things. There are so many regulations. You could pick any website on the internet and somebody with enough expertise would be able to find a problem with it. Have you ever tried to use like a screen reader? Yes. That's fascinating. I had to use a screen reader in order to test the website to see if we'd made it accessibly, and we had not. Oh, wow. <laughs> and using the screen reader was really painful. You can actually, you can speed it up so that it reads really quickly, which I think at first blush seems like it would be really obnoxious. But when you actually have to use one regularly, oh my God, it's a lifesaver not having to wait for the person to finish their sentence. Oh, nice. Yeah. But okay, so my question about that is do you feel like it's necessary for all developers to get that specialized knowledge? I mean, if we wanted to live in a world where all websites are accessible to people with all disabilities, you know, which sounds like a, a wonderful objective then I think in order to do that effectively, you would need most developers to be able to... to we would need most developers to have that ex expertise. But Is then, that... Are we willing yeah. to accept the consequences of insisting that all of our developers be trained on that and that they hold themselves to that standards? Because there's also the consideration that, you know, while those developers are figuring out ARIA compliance and whatever, they also need to figure out you know, if their left pad is key logging you or, uh, you know, some other security vulnerability and, you know, all of all of the other numerous things we talked about earlier that could be like the bridge that comes crashing down. And um, some other company could come along and not implement any security procedures or any web accessibility and then beat your company competitively and you could go under that's what because you yeah. were doing yeah. the right thing and they were moving faster than you. Right. Yeah. First to market. Mm -hmm. The competitive edge of just being able to move and not have to look over these different restrictions, I'm going to say. And which, and it, it truly, it does suck because we want to make sure that everyone is able to view your website in the way that it was supposed to be viewed. But if you... If you want to move fast, then you're going to have to overlook some things. And that includes maybe overlooking people's disabilities, which is lame. So what do we do? Do we create a government agency that is responsible for going around and finding everybody when Space they... Space Force. Ice. <laughs> Space Force. Spice. Software program. <laughs> that spice, yeah. I mean, I think the easy solution right now would be to downgrade to a software developer because that's what we do and we don't do the things that of engineers just stop calling ourselves engineers or i mean yeah that, that that's something i mean that's, that's an acknowledgement <laughs> of of a reality but maybe we can also just consider that there are things that we don't understand and make more concerted efforts to educate ourselves about what those things are and at least uh you know be aware of the limitations there's there's a really good uh thing that the atlantic article ended on which is the uh ritual calling of the engineer <laughs> 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 which i think is a good like oath to like 
think to yourself when you're approving that pull request. Maybe you could like get like a little chat box in your uh, PR template, and you have to check that little box. I'll, I'll even read it. I'll I'll go ahead and read you it. Read it. Okay. It, it. It's the following. My time, I will not refuse. My thought, I will not grudge. Check. My care, <laughs> I will not deny toward the honor, use, stability, and perfection of any work to which I may be called to set my hand. Check. Bad, yeah, if you had to read that out loud, like, hey, everyone, <laughs> I'm around three go. It's serious yeah. business right now. You ring the bell. <laughs> the Wikipedia entry for this was talking about how they have these iron rings that they yeah. wear with this engraved in it. That seems like so extreme. That uh, is awesome. It's like, wear this thing to ensure that I'm doing the right thing every time I develop. Yeah. Oh man, I want a ring now. Yeah, yeah that's pretty sweet. One, one ring <laughs> with your the powers rit- combined. Yeah. The ritual of the calling the of an engineer. The ring has a bug in it. There's a security backhole. Like, <laughs> oh, no, there's a back door that allows that one guy to control everyone else's ring. Oh, wait a oh, second. <laughs> that is the plot. Oh my god! You call yourself ring engineers. <laughs> get out of here, you get, elves. Get out of here. Get out of here. To the west. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I don't know if we answered the question. We're gonna have to throw that software back into the Source Forge from which it came. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh man, the Source Forge! Oh my precious! <laughs> <laughs> Did we solve the problem right now? I don't think so, and I think this could be an ongoing conversation. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know that there's a solution. I think that's just always going to be a debate. Right. It's it's an acknowledgement. You know, it, it's going to be an on, ongoing Atlantic article that never ends. That will never fade. <laughs> Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.